And we're going to now turn to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and Kate's going to read to us. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their own teachers of the law. Thank you. So we're thinking about Matthew chapter 7 and thinking about how to build a secure future. And um, I don't know if you know, in this felt body, um, I used to do water skiing and... um, trained with some of the British water ski uh, team, actually. I used to love it as a teenager and used to do a lot of skiing on the Norfolk Broads. Um, So I was really excited uh, when one of my sons said that they wanted to go water skiing um, to give me an excuse to get back out on the water. And we went to a place, and I do recommend it if you're interested, at Gosfield Lake, which is just west of here near Halstead. And uh, the instructor was very disciplined, explained that, you know, when you're in the water, you bring your knees up to your chest like this, you have your arms straight, the, the skis are up like this, and then the engine of the boat pulls you, and then you begin to stretch up, and you lean back. And your arms are a bit like shock absorbers, but you need to keep them sort of straight. And uh, if in the uh, inevitable event that you fall off, you must let go of the rope, okay? You must let go of the rope. So um, my son was doing really well. What they had is they had a bar alongside the speedboat where you learnt to stand and get some balance. And he was really doing well. So well, they said, right, you're ready to go on the rope. So he went on the rope, came up out of the water, was doing really well, and then he hit a wave, and then he went nosedive, head first, and then he became a submarine. And he would not let go of that rope. Um, He wouldn't. So so we eventually recovered this um, waterborne vessel, And uh, he was not a happy chappy. Um, In fact, that was the last time he went water skiing. And I was so disappointed. I was really, I cannot tell you how disappointed I was. Um, And he, you know, he didn't want to let go of the rope. And he literally became a submarine for about 200 yards. And we, we asked him, why wouldn't you let go of the rope? And he was scared of being lost or sinking. He could swim, but he was just scared. He didn't do 
what the instructor told him to do, let go of the rope. This section in Matthew chapter 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's given by our Lord on a hillside. He spoke about the gate. The gate is the entry to this kingdom and the narrow gate that leads to everlasting life and that we have a choice to enter that gate or not. God's not going to burst into our lives. He allows us to open the door. And we need to choose to follow Jesus. And then Jesus talked about false and true prophets. Who can we trust in our world today? What truths? And we've got loads of truths out there on social media. And Jesus shows us the importance of building a foundation for our lives in this passage. Chapter 7, verse 24 to 29 that Kate read. So this previous section dealt with doing and saying before verse 24 and declaring faith in God. This passage is about hearing and doing. And I don't know about you if if you're a parent. Um, I remember growing up, and I don't know if this is uh, politically correct anymore, but I'm going to say it. My mother used to say to me, um, don't do as I do, do as I say. (laughs) Now, I have some issues. The sort of lawyer in me came out, but we won't go there, about consistency, an example, but we'll lay that one to one side. Um, And so Jesus speaks about the wise person here and a foolish person. And it was all about the house and geographical locations And the illustration is to build a house that we can enjoy as households, as families, so we can flourish. But the interesting thing is, the houses looked the same on the outside. Interesting. It was hard to tell the difference. But in both cases, the rain overwhelmed the rivers, the winds battered the superstructure of the houses. What the Lord is sharing here is that the houses represent our lives and we will all experience challenges in our lives, some at different times in our lives. These winds of battering may be human sickness, failed relationships, bereavement, disappointment with our work or our children or our parents. Our careers might hit the buffers We may be treated badly by someone close to us. And there will be trials and temptations, doubts and mental anguish. And to cap it all, Jesus says we will all face the day of judgment. So on the outside, people can look the same. But in this passage, the question is, what's the difference about building a house, a life on secure foundations? Well, it's our inner life, isn't it? It's our core values. It's our integrity of faith. It's our lifestyle and our character. Character is who we are um, and what we believe in and how we will live. We don't know in this parable whether Jesus is speaking about the depth of foundation to the house or the geographical location of the house. 
The wise person goes looking for a location where there is a rock, probably on higher ground, away from the river plains. And there's a reason for that, as you know. The foolish person is in a hurry, doesn't consider the far-sighted questions. What if? This person only thinks of instant gratification, money, power, pleasure. And so when the testing times come, we find out whether faith is true or counterfeit. In America, there are people who are known as storm chasers. They chase hurricanes. And they don't do it just because they're mad. They do it because they want to understand the consistency and flow of a hurricane so that they, and they'll often have devices that they will put in the hurricane to understand the forces of the wind, the heat, um, and, and the, the sort of evolution of the hurricane, how it lifts and drops and hits land. And the purpose of that is they want to develop early warning signs so that people in those prevalent areas can, can go to safety. Jesus is giving us an early warning system here. He's not wanting to frighten us, but he wants us to avoid the catastrophe of building our lives on thin ice, on prestige, influence, and comfort. You may not know the name of a retired US boxer. Some of us of certain age do know him. Iron Mike Tyson. He was a very powerful and elite boxer in the 80s, 90s, and about then. And when he was asked about his opponent's plan to defend against his left hook, Tyson responded, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> in other words, if your plan does not help you navigate adversity, metaphorically, we are going to be punched in the mouth by different challenges and trials. And one of those has been the pandemic of the last 16 months. Good plans don't disappear during adversity, but they can help us stand up against that adversity. A life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ will endure all adversity because Christ is our foundation. We're secure in him. Surrendering our life to Christ is not a means to live a life free of problems, but it's actually how we endure. And Jesus says in this passage, we need not only be hearers of the word of God, but doers of the word of God. And James, in his letter, chapter 1, verse 22, says exactly the same. That be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So the question I ask myself and you, is the Lord the boss of our lives? Is he our managing director? Do we put his teaching into practice? doesn't mean to say we're perfect at putting into practice. It means that we are putting the rubber on the road. We're in the race of life. 
And then how do we distinguish between doing the word of God as an act of obedience to Jesus Christ and good works and being a nice person, like loving your neighbour? Well, according to James, the perfect law is looking in the right mirror and doing what you see. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul talks about we see in a mirror dimly this side of eternity. And it's true. We do not have a clue, really, of the vista of beauty of the life to come in Christ, the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to look in the mirror into the law, the royal law of love and liberty. You know, love God and love your neighbour. And what James is saying to us is that we need the word of truth to be born again into that kingdom. We need the word of God to be feeding us and directing us. And Paul wrote, what matters is faith working through love. It's that Christ drives us. And I I think I can say categorically, and I'm not being self-effacing i don't think without christ i'd be a very generous or kind person it's following christ has changed the architecture of my heart and my values of my life and this is looking in a mirror and then being reshaped internally christian obedience is different from good works about being nice so let's just briefly explore that doing the word of god means following christ daily daily we i need to be steered motivated guided by the word of god doing the word of god is being like christ it means that you look to jesus to inform our decision making our choices our strength to be faithful in the tasks that are before us. It reminds us that our life is hidden in Christ, in God. Doing the word begins by knowing who we belong to. And so who do we belong to? And I'll put my hand up and say, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've committed my life to him. Imperfect as it is, I belong to him. And many of you belong to him as well. But it's more than asking, you know that famous saying, what would Jesus do? That's really an abstract and incomplete way of understanding. I'd like to reframe that and say, what would I do if I were full of Jesus? What would I do if I were full of Jesus in this situation? The great uh, theologian writer C.S. Lewis called this good pretending. Good pretending. And it's one of the ways we use our imagination to further our obedience and our holiness. So, on the contrary side, bad pretending is hypocrisy. The Greek word for hypocrisy is hypocrites. It means to act, to pretend. And there is a good pretending. So we're, we're wanting to love that person. Well, I don't really feel it, 
but I'm going to believe in it that I will. I told you about a fella when I was in Berlin with Operation Mobilization who was a pain in the backside and um, was a very difficult person to work with in that mission. And it was one of the seminal moments of learning to love him. God had to change my heart to him, to love him. And it, it transformed me and him and our relationship and the ministry and mission to what we were about. So I was, I was acting in good faith of being filled with the love of God. So it's practicing what Christ gives us. Good pretending is not hypocrisy. It's spirit-led attempt about being consistent. And so the problem I had with my mother, do what I say, not what I do, is the issue of consistency. And example, bad pretending is not a substitute for reality. Good pretending leads to reality. It's what children do when they pretend, you know our children, when they're pretending to be grown-ups and they're having a tea party or dinner party, they're pretending what it's like to be a grown-up. And it's what Christians do in our pilgrim condition. What we're told to do is fulfill the word, do the word. So, practically speaking, we take the imaginary you and put him or her in the situations of life. And what does that gospel you look like in your work, in your neighbourhood, in your family, in this church? What does it mean to really love God deeply from the heart and then let that love flow into those contexts? So we've got to realise that good pretending is a good thing. So let's just think briefly as we kind of draw this to a close about some examples of doing the word of God. So hands up here, who's not patient? I love honesty here. <laughs> um, and I'm uh, not patient. I think some of you know that. I've declared this untruth in my life. Um, when I see a queue at a shop, you will not see me hanging around. And so one of the things I want to do good pretending in my life is if I'm in a queue waiting for something, and uh, Kate and I were in a queue last night in traffic uh, on the Orwell Bridge, and so I, we're praying for the fruit of the Spirit to practice patience. And what does that look like? And so when someone carves me up, it says, the Lord bless you and make his face shine upon you and sort you out. And um, so that's doing the word of God, practicing patience. Doing the word of God um, is, is when we're facing fears, when we're afraid, like my son who just wouldn't let go of that rope. Sometimes we have to let go of things because we like to control things. Oh, we're so good at trying to control things. And Jesus says more than 37 times, Fear not. He knows our human condition to fear. Fear that leads to poor decisions. Fear that stops churches venturing out and sharing the gospel. Fears that um, cause us anxiety 
in our relationships. And so we need to do the word of God. So I've shared with you before, one of my favorite psalms is uh, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and strength. And so we find words of God to fill our void of fear with love and hope and strength. Doing the word of God is forgiving those who trespass against us. We've just prayed that earlier in the service. Practicing forgiveness is doing the word of God. And some of you, many of you, are doing that when others have let you down. Practicing forgiving yourself when you've let others down. Doing the word of God is sharing the gospel, something we need to get a bit sharper at a bit more intentional about in this age of the 21st century, about sharing the love of God on the streets and neighborhood and workplaces where we are, intentionally sharing the good news of Jesus with family and friends, speaking hope where there is hopelessness, cultivating vulnerability, being sensitive and respectful when we share our faith, doing The word of God is doing God's justice, what is righteous, the values of the kingdom of the word of God, and compassion, standing for the poor, for the broken, the hurting. And so it's really important that we exercise the muscles of faith by doing the word of God consistently. Faith in our Western society here, in the comfort of what we know in the UK can be take it or leave it. It's seen as an optional extra. Friends, we've got people in our land, even in this church, who've had to flee their homeland because they are Christian, because they are at risk of even punishment and death. It's a matter of life and death. And so I just want to encourage you and encourage me to build our houses, to build our lives in Jesus Christ, to not just be hearers, but actually doers of the word of God. I came across this phrase, don't take it the wrong way, the only difference between a rut and a grave is a matter of inches. And some of us can get in a rut, and we need to get out of that rut because we get confined Corey Ten Boone said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. So let's trust the engineer and do the word of God.